and welcome to Coach Potatoes episode one with me Lara Kui and me Andrew Parker. Welcome Lara. Thank you. Welcome to everyone for our very first full-length episode. That's right let's hope that we stick to our plans and uh, everything yes goes smoothly. So today's coaching topic what is coaching? We're going to be talking about what it is to each of us and a little bit about the history of coaching and the kind of people that come to coaching and topics and things like that. So the history of the word coach actually derives from the word stagecoach and that was a horse-drawn carriage designed to take people from A to B, from where they are today to where they want to be in the future. And actually, the whole concept of that is exactly what modern day coaching does as well, because it takes people from where they are in their reality to their goals, their hopes and dreams of the future. And they do that in partnership with their coach. So whether it's a professional sports coach guiding their team to ultimate performance, a health coach, a life coach or a motivational coach, all coaches are people who take their clients from the position they're in and help them to achieve their goals and transform into the person they want to be. So what does coaching mean to you, Andrew? Coaching means a few things, Lara, and it's interesting you mentioned sports because I, I love sports and uh, as our listeners will uh, hear over future episodes, uh, it's one of the things that I really uh, enjoy. And I've always wondered when you look at uh, high-class, high-performing uh, athletes like a Michael Jordan, uh, for example, and I think we've probably all seen that uh, documentary called The Last uh, Dance recently, what does a coach actually do to someone like Michael Jordan? So clearly they're not teaching them skills, they're operating on a higher plane. And coaching for me is all about looking forward. Uh, so it's about uh, people asking for, uh, for help. It's about typically trying to uncover answers from within somebody and encouraging a higher level of uh, performance. So it is forward looking. It's a process of discovery uh, within uh, yourself. And that's a guided process of uh, discovery. And typically you focus on a specific issue. So you, you typically start wide and then you go very, very deep on a specific issue to help you uh, strategize and plan for the future. So unlike uh, psychology or perhaps therapy, for example, that's rooted in the past, coaching is very much focused uh, on the present, as you said, and the future. Yeah, exactly. And and for me, coaching is very much the, the idea of a, of a partnership. So it's the opportunity for the client to be truly listened to. Everybody lives in a really fast paced world where, you know, you're rushing from A to B, no real time to stop and focus. It's that moment in time where somebody is there to listen to your side of the story. And what's unique about the coach is the fact that they are there completely unbiased. They're a third party who's on your side. So they're your confidant. They're here to listen to about, you know, your trials and tribulations in your life and to ask deep questions that get you to delve deep within yourself to find out exactly how you're going to solve those problems. So the coach really just listens and tries to guide you and reframe you on things um, without advising you in particular. So it, it's not advisory and consultancy. And exactly as you said, you know, Andrew, it's really not therapy. This is something that, you know, deep personal problems do need to be taken somewhere else. And for us, we are very much focused on executive coaching. So, you know, the two of us really like to focus on, you know, where you are in your business, where you want to go in future, you know, getting to the next level. Uh, what goals have you got? Are you going to retire at 50? Do you want to make partner? Do you want to, um, you know, write a book? All of the things that you need somebody to hold you accountable to keep you moving forward. And by having a coach who keeps you on the straight and narrow, who asks you on a regular basis, so, you know, you promised to do this. Have you actually done that? You know, where are you mm. with that? And gives you that emotional support and active encouragement. It's really like having your own personal cheerleader and it's a great experience. I mean, the two of us have our own coaches as well. Um, what are the benefits of coaching for you personally, Andrew? I might just go back actually for a minute to Lara and just pick up, you mentioned trials and tribulations and there's no shortage of challenges that we're all facing at the moment, uh, particularly through uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. So the sorts of things that we will talk about and typically talk about uh, in coaching 
some of those both personal challenges, as you mentioned, Lara, but also some of the professional challenges that we're facing and we all face. It might be uh, topics such as managing virtual teams, for example. You might be a first time manager uh, wanting to learn how to manage a team. You might be operating in a new culture uh, for the first time. So there's some of the sorts of, uh, of topics. And we'll talk in a few minutes a little bit deeper on one of the topics uh, around uh, perfectionism and imposter syndrome. But we typically also talk about designing uh, your future uh, and planning uh, and developing a roadmap for uh, your future. And that to me is really, really exciting is help, helping people uncover and discover what their future is and helping them achieve that. That's very much it. I mean, people go through life to sort of meandering along living day by day. But if you've got, you know, a ladder and you actually don't know what's at the top of that ladder, why be on that ladder? So we help people to focus on what it is that they're trying to achieve in their lives. You know, what are the goals ultimately and therefore moving towards those? Because otherwise, if you drift along, you know, you could easily hit 65 without even knowing, you know, what, what you want to do with your mm. life. So that's the idea, having that focus, having somebody to guide you, help you listen to your challenges on a daily basis and, and just move forward. So it's a very positive transformational experience. And to challenge you or to challenge the uh, our coaching clients or the coaches in the right way as well. That is something that uh, we'll typically do uh, in any coaching session. But I guess it's also important to highlight too that in a coaching session, we don't come with a predetermined list of uh, ideas or topics to talk about. One of the things we'll always do as coaches is ask you what's most beneficial for you to focus on today. And the conversation could go any in any direction. And we recognize the topics that you may want to talk about change, uh, and they may even change within the course of the coaching conversation. So the coaching session or coaching sessions are all about you. Uh, we'll facilitate that discussion uh, through our, um, our training and our experience and share some ideas with you on some challenges, but the topic is your topic and your challenge. Absolutely. So people bring things that are on their mind at that point in time, but also things that will you know, put them further along the line of their goals. Um, but what other coaching topics do people often bring to coaching, Andrew? Well, I guess if I split it into personal challenges, uh, Lara, and also professional uh, challenges, I've mentioned a few of the professional challenges around uh, managing new teams, managing uh, across cultures, but that also connects to some personal challenges. So people uh, would bring topics, uh, perhaps some challenges around uh, emotional intelligence, uh, for example, uh, rebuilding uh, self-confidence after a career setback, uh, for example. Lots of people want to talk about uh, having their voice heard uh, for example, and on the personal skills side as well, people want to talk about things such as communication skills, presentation skills, people want to prepare for interviews, big presentations. The list is endless of the sorts of both personal and professional topics that people can talk about uh, in coaching. And just as I said, we don't come with a predetermined uh, list of, uh, of topics or questions. We don't expect and we don't come with a predetermined idea of whether it's a personal topic or a professional topic that you want to cover or talk about in a coaching session. Exactly, and I think right now, you know, with the COVID situation going on, a lot of people are having that time to pause in their life and, and look at, you know, what their career is, what their job is, how, how different their job looks in a work from home scenario. Many people thinking about whether they're in the right career, whether they want to actually take that first step to start their first business or, or retrain. A lot of people learning brand new skills that are leading uh, to different things. I mean, I myself have, have come into executive coaching after being uh, in a long career in business development, but it gives you that opportunity. I think that right now is the perfect time for anybody thinking about doing something new, finding a new direction, a new purpose to their lives. And I think the focus on on health in particular mm. is such an important one right now. You know, we're, we're so aware of how many people have unfortunately lost their lives to the pandemic, but also how all of us can help other people as well. So uh, coaches are very much um, geared towards helping people achieve more alignment with their true values, with their purpose in life, helping people discover what that is. So many people really don't know what their value and, and life's mission is. And so I think having a coach can really help you uncover that and give you that courage to take that next step. So 
you might have a fantastic idea for a new business and want to become an entrepreneur, but you just really don't know where to start. And so having a coach help you. There are lots of coaches, in fact, who are specifically focused on a particular area of business. I'm going to be interviewing somebody who is a holistic life coach, and he has a coach focused on holistic life coaches businesses. So, you know, within a niche, you can also find people like that specialized in particularly what you want to do. So that's quite interesting as well. But there's millions and millions of opportunities and possibilities for your life. And coaches just really want to help you discover all of those for yourself um, and take that next leap with support. Um, and that's really what it's all about. It is. It's interesting you mentioned uh, the pandemic, uh, Lara. So one of the things that uh, I'm seeing as I'm both I'm talking to people and uh, and reading and listening is lots of people are still hesitant to even just step back out into uh, to the world, the world either uh, as it is now or the world that uh, maybe it was uh, previously. And so uh, there is a lot of hesitation uh, that people have. So that is a topic that um, we can also help with uh, coaching uh, and would typically help with. And that, I guess, leads to conversations and questions that uh, lots of people raise with us around work-life balance. Uh, and that's a real theme through uh, lots of the coaching that uh, I do, uh, and I guess you do uh, as well, is how to get that balance. And the pandemic has actually brought that to the fore uh, for uh, many people. Totally, and, and the idea of staying motivated, staying relevant, um, feeling isolated. You know, I think mental health is a huge topic right now because, um, you know, people who thought that they were anxious before, you can imagine uh, this is world anxiety, world trauma. Basically, a lot of people um, are going to have delayed reactions to this. And I think it's really, really important for, for people to really feel supported in their workplace. And I know that a lot of employers right now are using coaches. Andrew, tell us about that time that you were actually hired by, you, you are running some sort of helpline, aren't you? Mm, correct. So I was hired by a company who wanted to do something for their employees very, very early in the pandemic. So this is going back to February, March. Uh, and this company wanted to uh, establish a helpline for their leadership team. So the top 200 or so people in the uh, organization, they wanted to have a group or a panel of coaches. So they selected myself and, and two other coaches uh, from different parts of the world to be on call effectively and to offer their leadership team two coaching sessions. So we were on call, you'd receive a call or an email uh, to, uh, to chat, you'd have a coaching session and then a week later, you would follow that up with a further coaching session. So typically two one-hour coaching sessions, but you'd work through challenges they were facing day to day. And there's an incredible uh, or a wide range of topics that uh, were discussed. But that's an example of how coaching was used and can be used uh, during the pandemic. Exactly. I mean, it really, um, I think one can really see it as a sort of a business support, isn't it? I mean, it's... Um, with leaders are struggling with very, very important decisions right now, especially when it comes to human capital. You know, a lot of employers are having to let people go. A lot of people are being either retrenched or retired early. And so coaching can particularly help those employees because most businesses really do care about their employees. And these are very difficult conversations and difficult decisions. But what can happen is you can have coaches support you in that. So for example, um, you know, going into retirement is a very, very uh, difficult thing to deal with mentally. And I think that having a coach support somebody who is going to transition into retirement to really help them overcome the fear of leaving a really big role and big title. For many people, their work defines their whole being. Um, and it's helping them to discover that no, they as a person have incredible value. And it's not just about the job title. They don't really need to cling to that anymore. And there's so many more things that they could do, especially sharing what they've learned, you know, to mentor others, to become a thought leader and, and help train the next generation. So there's a lot of really exciting things that they can do, but they will need help in understanding those things. And again, retrenchment. I mean, there's nothing more horrifying than being told that you're being let go. Right. 
but you know this can the, the blow can definitely be softened with the right support in place especially helping somebody to really delve deep into the, the transferable skills that they have and the things that they'd like to move into and to actually view it as an opportunity because quite often it's kind of the kick that you need isn't it andrew mm. i mean basically um for a lot of people being made redundant is the is the launch of a new idea or a new career um, it really forces you to focus on what you'd like to do with your life. So let us all look at the pandemic as, as having some positives and definitely starting some people on a new path. It is a trigger point, you're right, Lara. And it's also a trigger point as well as people start to assess what ne what's next. Lots of people I know have been sitting on that one good idea or that one business idea they've had for years and years and it's been burning away in the back of their mind. Lots of people have taken that as the opportunity to start a business. I was talking to someone earlier in the week who claimed that, Andrew, there's no better time to start a business than right now. I was a little skeptical to the timing on uh, on that, but that's uh, an example of uh, some of the benefits uh, of uh, COVID-19. Uh, I also think too, Lara, that it's an opportunity to go back and reflect on our own personal values and what's important to us as we start to look forward to what your next step in your career might be, or maybe you pivot to use that uh, word everybody's using at the moment, maybe you make a lateral move in your career. By understanding your values and revisiting your values, this is a great time to, to do that and a great time therefore to uh, plan what your next steps are. Totally, and those of you in the, you know, the leadership space, what greater time as well to really focus on what makes a great leader. You know, what are the soft skills that you need to be practicing? What are the, the tips and tricks that you can learn from the world's greatest leaders? You know, how can you be better in terms of managing your people? And actually, research has proven that companies with a coaching culture internally, they retain and attract yes. the best talent, mainly because a coaching culture within helps people to develop to their full potential. So within coaching, we ourselves coach our clients on how to coach their teams. And this is really one of the most important elements, developing a coaching mindset themselves so that they know how to get the best out of everybody, not only themselves, but the people around them, including their own family. And especially if you've got teenage children, mm -hmm. this can be a really, really valuable skill. Mm, okay, indeed. And there's different types of coaching too. So there's coaching one-on-one, -on -one, uh, and you just picked up on that uh, too, Lara, that you can also do group coaching sessions and there's also corporate coaching. So there's coaches who work inside organizations as career uh, or corporate uh, coaches. Uh, some of the coaching that uh, Lara and I do, for example, is ourselves as the coach with a small group of uh, clients uh, together. Some people feel more comfortable uh, coaching in a group environment like that. So coaching is not necessarily always one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. And to go back to that uh, basketball or Michael Jordan uh, example right at the start of uh, the session, uh, a coach can work with a group of people as well. Exactly, right. Well, I think uh, we've talked quite a lot about coaching. I think we'll move on to our next topic, shall we? Indeed. So, observations from our month in coaching. So this is where we talk about some of the topics that people have been bringing to coaching sessions with us. Um, and you mentioned before, you're going to be talking about perfectionism and imposter syndrome. I will. And in fact, when we're preparing, we were laughing a little bit uh, earlier. We won't take any photographs, but um, both Lara and I have taken two very different approaches to preparing for uh, our podcast uh, today. So we come at it from very, very different angles uh, around uh, perfectionism. But one of the things that I've picked up in, in coaching, and I would say to Lara that um, clearly we respect and always uh, respect confidentiality of our clients. So we'll never talk about uh, specific clients or divulge any details. But there's a theme that's starting to emerge from lots of the work that I've been doing and I know the work that uh, other coaches have been doing around perfectionism and imposter syndrome. And for me, when I think about perfectionism, I can't decouple it from imposter syndrome. And so one of the things that I find is when I'm working with perfectionists or self-described perfectionists, is that we have to challenge them to think about their perfectionism. Is it a good thing? Most people will typically think it is, or can it be a negative thing? And one of the things that I always challenge a client on is that if you've done something to 80, 90% of where you wanted to get to, and it's taken you X amount of hours, 
is it really worth spending that exact same amount of hours finishing off the next 10 or 20%? And so sometimes you just have to jump, you have to take the leap at 80 or 90% and realize things are, are okay uh, the way they, uh, they are. But that brings up broader thoughts around imposter syndrome. And imposter syndrome has a few different names. Uh, some people um, may refer to it as uh, fraud uh, syndrome as well, or imposter phenomena. These are effectively fears that we have, of both feeling like a fraud or fraudulent, but somehow fears of being found out, or that you're not good enough, or you don't belong where you are. And more importantly, that whatever you've achieved in your life or your career is a result of good luck or good fortune, rather than any capability or any hard work or any effort that you've put in yourself. And I'm happy to put my hand up here too, Lara, and note that very early in my career, particularly in the first half of my career, this is something that I suffered from as well. So it is real. I always felt that whenever I got a promotion or I got an opportunity to travel uh, internationally for the first time, for example, or lead a group of uh, people, that perhaps this was good luck uh, and that one day I'll be found out. Uh, and that's what imposter syndrome uh, is all about. It's that feeling of incompetence or inadequacy and that fear that one day this is all going to come crashing down and I'm going to be found out. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely uh, understand that. And uh, very much, you know, towards the the top of the, the tree. In fact, you know, the, the higher up you get, the more this fear of being found out and mm. an imposter syndrome actually comes in to play. And I think a lot and lot of leaders just are terrified of that. Um, and, and that's why coaching really helps them come to terms with the fact that no, they genuinely have the capabilities, skills, uh, intelligence, everything they need to get to that position. It is no uh, mistake that they have got there. And, and they just need to kind of get comfortable with that, like really, you know, self uh, acknowledge and accept. So I think what coaching does is a lot about building self-awareness and really talking about how they've reached the top, how they manage, you know, what are the skills they have and really look at themselves objectively. And the thing about perfectionism that you were talking about earlier as well is, uh, you know, is linked to an anxiety. You know, they're very, very closely um, linked and they are very much uh, to do with this whole, yeah, concept of um, imposter syndrome insofar as people just have incredibly high expectations and standards for themselves. And these are not standards that they impose on other people. And in fact, it's almost like being a little bit conceited because in you know you set yourself such high standards but you don't expect somebody else to have the same high standards so that's kind of saying well i'm better than you because like these are my self-imposed standards mm -hmm. um but i don't expect these of you because you can't actually achieve those and so it's a sort of a weird situation mentally mm -hmm. isn't it andrew because you're on the one hand feeling quite insecure about your your you know your abilities but at the same time you've got really high standards uh and so it's an impossible situation and i think that's what gets people so tangled up isn't it mm -hmm. you know that feeling of high standards that they can't even achieve themselves because they're so ridiculous and then feeling inadequate but but then at the same time saying yeah but I wouldn't expect you know Joe Bloggs here to be able to achieve them either so mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. barking up this crazy tree like mm -hmm. what on earth is going on so um it, you know in the coaching that you've been doing this week and um, what, what are the sort of things that you have done to to help somebody when they tell you that they're suffering from this condition I guess the first thing Lara always is to explain that this is real and it's, well, two things, it's real and it's okay. Uh, and uh, it's okay to feel uh, that way. Uh, but then we'll typically work through a whole range of uh, different uh, techniques or tactics that people can implement to actually overcome uh, these feelings of uh, uh, feeling like a fraud, feeling like an imposter and uh, uh, where perfectionism is really starting to uh, uh, drag you down and uh, drain on your uh, your energy. So some of the techniques or the tips and tricks that uh, I'll typically talk about is that if you're waiting for a perfect time to start something, and this I guess connects back to our previous conversation about uh, redundancy or retrenchment uh, during COVID-19, 
there may not, and there may never be the perfect time to actually start or do something. So sometimes it's better to jump uh, and uh, figure it out uh, once you've, uh, you've jumped uh, because there's no such thing as, uh, as the perfect time. It's also helpful to actually reward yourself and actually celebrate your achievements. So when you achieve something, and I know this has been the case in my career as well, you kind of feel let down. You think, oh, okay, now I've achieved that. And you feel a little bit flat for some reason because you've invested so much energy and effort in getting to, uh, to that point. So it is important to reward yourself and celebrate your achievements uh, along the way. And then in terms of coaching, and this is where coaching can help, ask for help. That's really, really important. And don't feel alone uh, through this, uh, this process uh, and as you, um, you manage these, uh, these feelings uh, uh, in your, your career. But the other messages that I would always give, and I guess to our listeners too, Lara, is that true imposters don't suffer from imposter syndrome, which I think is really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're suffering from imposter syndrome, you're typically not a true imposter. And so it's important to, uh, to remember that. Ask for help, and I just encourage you, please be gentle on yourself. That's really important. Look after yourself, reward yourself, and just simply be gentle. Yeah, no, I love that. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I really love the point that you say that actually those people who, who suffer from imposter syndrome are definitely not even imposters because their standards are so high, you know, they really are overachievers. Um, and I, I have also had um, a couple of clients who are in the startup space. And what you have to acknowledge about the startup space is it's a high pressure, very fast paced environment. And what they value most in their employees is the ability to get on and do the job really, really quickly. The problem with people who um, suffer from perfectionism is they just spend far too much time doing tasks. And one of the things that I helped a client with was actually thinking about the time spent and the money involved. So what is the cost to the business if you were charged at a certain um, you know, hourly rate? So if you've got quite a simple, let's say, administrative task that you were given and you've spent 10 hours doing it to perfect that task, think of the amount of money that has cost the business to do this quite simple task that actually you could have delegated to somebody else. And also a really good way is to ask the person giving you that piece of work or in your own mind saying to somebody else, how much time should this take? Because that other person will objectively set that standard. So if you're told, oh, this should take you two hours, it's really good for a perfectionist to be told that and mm -hmm. given that deadline because it gives them some parameters to stick to. So I would recommend that anyone who knows that they have perfectionist tendencies to really have you know, a very good to-do list with very detailed, um, easy steps to take so that you can tick it off, feel that accomplishment, but really not go overboard. Because the thing is that things just get out of perspective. They get so focused and obsessed by a small task that they waste so much time. And the reality is that in business, you cannot do that. And especially in startups, move forward, go on to the next thing. You cannot do it 100%. Your 50% of doing something is actually already 100% mm -hmm. of somebody else with lower standards. Mm. And so you have to be comfortable with that. And as, you, as you've just mentioned, Andrew, you kind of have to let it go. Mm. You have to focus on what needs to be done, do it, tick it off, move forward. And I think that's the thing about perfectionists, right? It, they just cling on to these things, they cannot let go. Right. So that's my tip on that. Great advice. We can't always be a Superman or Superwoman. Uh, and that's uh, something we quite often impose on ourselves because we love the validation that comes from working, but not so much from uh, from the work itself. Yeah. Uh, so it's important to, as you said, Lara, just let things go. Let it go. It's well, okay. that, well <laughs> frozen, right? <laughs> let Please. it go. Uh, I will not be singing. <laughs> I like to sing, hey. <laughs> Maybe we'll but, save that for a later podcast. Yes, yes. We'll, we'll do a special episode on, uh, on the karaoke session. That's one Lara will do by herself. <laughs> yes, I'll do it by myself. It's my Japanese genes speaking. <laughs> so, have we have we rounded off everything we want to say about perfectionism? Do you I think we have, but I'd also be interested in uh, our listeners' feedback on perfectionism and imposter syndrome too. Uh, yeah. So uh, let us know what uh, your experiences are as well, and we can cover that in future episodes. 
totally that would be that would be great to hear from people's experience so please reach out on that uh, we're both on linkedin you can uh, find us on linkedin and we will be putting our email and uh, you know where you can reach us are in the show notes so do reach out we'd love to hear from you so our next session is the what's on your mind section and we yeah we had a good discussion about what we thought we'd talk about uh, in relation to that so take it away yeah this actually came about uh in a coffee shop uh, that Lara and I were uh, visiting uh, and planning this uh, podcast uh, a week or so ago. And the topic is around LinkedIn and the open to work feature that uh, they've just launched uh, in the last, uh, I think, two or three months. So it's a relatively uh, new feature. And Lara and I had very different perspectives on what it actually meant and whether we should, uh, should use it. The way I interpreted that uh, LinkedIn uh, feature was that if I said and turned on that I was open to work, that would highlight to recruiters that I was interested uh, in uh, coaching uh, roles with uh, other companies or with companies, and that it would be strictly limited to recruiters or recruitment professionals. However, I came to learn from this coffee conversation with Lara that if you turn that feature on in LinkedIn, what it does is it actually puts a graphic around uh, your profile picture that highlights to anybody that you're open to work. Now, that could be highlighting to your current uh, team, your current employer or employers, or your manager or line manager. And so very quickly in that conversation, I whipped out my phone and I changed that option to turn it off because I was not aware that that was what it, uh, that option was really uh, doing. I thought it was uh, the old feature, being open to uh, recruiters, but it's clearly not. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I, I was really surprised when uh, when you came up with this idea. You know, I mean, of course, as a um, you know a business owner offering lots of different services, you you are of course open to work. Mm. You know, like yeah, but uh, for me, I mean, I had totally seen the you know the little green uh, semicircle around people's profile photo as hey, folks, you know, pandemic times has meant that. Uh, I'm open to work as in I'm looking for a new opportunity so either I've been made redundant or I'm looking to move into a different area of work or you know I'm looking for something new it's a real sort of way of highlighting that uh, and as I was scrolling through my LinkedIn I really noticed a very very large number of people with this feature uh, in their photo now uh, and it really occurred to me that uh, you know, when we started to speak about it and, and, and you said that you had it on yours, I was mm. like, huh? But then you're, you're saying to recruiters, hey, find me a job. And you were going, what? No, but I'm not. And I said, are you, are you looking for a job? And you're like, no, of course not. I'm just <laughs> open to work. And that's how our whole conversation uh, started about that. So I, I guess what we need to think about, though, is whether highlighting to people in such a, an unsubtle way is actually a very good strategy. What, what do you think, Andrew? Oh, I'm just curious to get your opinion too, Lara, on whether people should actually use it uh, or not. And, and I turned it off because, as you said, uh, I was open to work and working with other people and, uh, and other companies. I wasn't looking for a job uh, as such. And so that, in my mind, started to trigger some thoughts about, well, should I use it or, or should I not? And I guess I settled on the don't use it side once I realized actually what it was doing. Uh, and so I really changed my, uh, my view because I thought that it might actually turn uh, people and recruiters and potential clients off. This, I guess, is kind of the LinkedIn version of uh, playing hard to get, so to speak. Uh, and so that's one of the reasons that, uh, that I turned it uh, off. I also found too that uh, you're potentially opening yourself up to lots of uh, recruiter contact, but also, unfortunately, I've seen fairly recently, lots of uh, scam recruiter contact, where people, and even here in uh, Southeast Asia, people are being approached to pay a fee to look at a particular job advertisement uh, online, when those jobs are found free online anyway. So they're charging uh, people to do that, and they may come through to you uh, through uh, LinkedIn and through that uh, particular feature and picking up on the fact that you are open uh, to work and open to a new job. So that's where I uh, settled and I felt that it was more important for me 
and I think others to be more targeted in their approaches for, for work and for working with uh, other people. But what do you think? Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm very much of the opinion that um, LinkedIn is a fantastic tool, very, very powerful, um, but you, yes, rightly can uh, attract the wrong attention. So if you're looking for a job, you know, you will find some uh, good recruitment consultants who can help you and you need to reach out to a select few. You don't necessarily need to turn on that feature that alerts the entire world uh, and attracts these rather spammy types of people, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the people who are going to, to yeah basically abuse the fact that you're looking um so and also really tapping into your existing network um you know keeping up with people through linkedin throughout establishing those relationships but keeping them going i think it's it can be pretty embarrassing to suddenly reach out to someone after 10 years you know and say oh hey remember me uh, i'm now looking for a job it really emphasizes the importance of being an authentic and nice person to be constantly in contact with people um, and just to really, um, you know, reach out to people, let them know where you are, but more on a personal basis. So, uh, you know, message people that you're connected with, but you can also reach out on LinkedIn for a connection request, but state in your invitation, you always should put a personal note there to say, you know, why you're wanting to connect um, and, and certainly don't ask for a job, you know, in that, but build that relationship and, and use your network really wisely. So um, LinkedIn does have lots of good features. There's lots of amazing jobs available online. So you can really use that uh, very powerfully. But um, I just think it's so interesting how, you know, the concept of, of being open to work and being open to opportunities uh, can bring about like so many different uh, approaches and, and conceptions. And yeah. So yeah, it's most, interesting. Most definitely. It is really, really uh, interesting. Uh, it's just reflecting, Lara, on your comments about uh, connecting with uh, other people and, and two thoughts came to mind immediately. One is that in uh, future podcasts, uh, we'll actually be talking about uh, networking. We'll have some uh, interviews as well with people who uh, uh, teach and specialize in uh, networking. But one of the things I've found in my career is that the opportunities I've been given have always come from the most unlikeliest of places. It's been the person maybe you haven't spoken to for two or three years, but you made such an impression on them uh, as a, a customer uh, or um, a, a client or uh, a leader of uh, a company at some point that they remembered you and they reached out. I know that's happened quite a bit recently in my uh, career where you've made that sort of impression and somebody somewhere will pop up from nowhere effectively and say, hey, I'd like to talk. And so networking is a really powerful way to, uh, to build uh, those, um, uh, those relationships. Uh, but I think to your point, Lara, it's also about being uh, genuine, perhaps showing some vulnerability and really caring for other people uh, as part of your networking and part of your uh, LinkedIn uh, strategy as well and that will pay rewards maybe not today maybe not tomorrow but maybe some time in the future absolutely i mean real life actually uh, in jobs and in real life it's all about relationships um and and networking is really just um you know strangers you haven't met yet uh you know so the strangers are friends you haven't met yet. So literally, you when you go to an event and you're you know you're looking around, uh, and the first person you meet, literally within five seconds, that person's now your new friend. It's just that you didn't know who they were, and so it's a very powerful thing. Um, I know that a lot of people don't like the concept of networking. They see it as a, a necessary evil, but you know, all human beings crave social interaction. And I think if you don't give it these horrible uh, nomenclatures, you, you can get away from that. And you just say, hey, do you like to meet new people? And are you friendly? And do you like um, hanging out with others? Yeah. And most people would say yes. Uh, and that really is what networking is. So I think people can be helped to get over that. And certainly in coaching, that is one of the biggest topics, actually. Um, you know, we help people overcome their fear of networking, understand how to build relationships, improve relationships, um, and, and be themselves and get comfortable with who they are, what they offer, and, you know, the value that they bring. So yeah. I do yeah. quite a bit of work with uh, introverts. And being a good introvert myself, I'm happy to declare that on this, our first episode as well. 
is that networking is a challenge for uh, introverts. So we'll pick up on this topic uh, in uh, future episodes and future interviews as well. But introverts can network. They just have to do it in a different way. Absolutely. Um, I think it's all about, yeah, getting used to knowing yourself, what mm -hmm. works for you, and not forcing yourself to do things that just, just don't fit. Mm. Um, so, yeah, finding that comfort zone. <laughs> Correct, indeed. But sometimes you have to push yourself out of that comfort zone. You do. But not to the point where the elastic breaks, effectively. Exactly. Shall we move on to quote and topics? We shall. I've been looking forward to this, actually. Yeah, well, when I heard your quote, I loved it. So tell us your quote of the week. Sure. So before I give you the quote, the background to this is that I've been helping my son prepare for his final year high school exams recently. Now, Lara knows this, but I'm not particularly good at uh, subjects like uh, mathematics. So I can't help him with math mathematics, but I can help him uh, with uh, you know, literature and history and business-related uh, uh, topics. And in helping him prepare, I've been helping him uh, memorize some quotes of poems uh, for him to actually use uh, in his uh, written essays, in his exams. And there's one particular quote out of 20 or 30 that he had to uh, memorize that really stood out for me and actually meant quite a lot then and that I thought I would bring to the podcast. It's from an Australian writer actually called David Maloof. And it's from a series of poems he released a few years ago. And this poem in particular or this particular poem is called Radiance. And the quote is, for some a wound, some a gift, and for some the wound is the gift. For some the wound is the gift. And I love that because that really spoke to me about the year 2020, about the pandemic, and the fact that we're all suffering from wounds uh, from, uh, from the year, but we all suffer from wounds in our professional and our personal lives as well. And I like that a lot because sometimes we look at, the, look at a wound purely as the wound and something negative. It can sometimes be a gift because it gives you that opportunity. You spoke earlier, Lara, about uh, some of the benefits of COVID-19 or perhaps the benefit of uh, being made uh, redundant uh, this year. It is a wound, but it may be the gift that you actually need. And so that quote really uh, stood out for me and I loved it. So I wanted to bring it uh, to mm. our listeners today. Yeah, and actually, you know, hearing that again in more depth like that, obviously for me, it's actually quite personal too, because um, I had, you know, a diagnosis of cancer last year in November and um, having had treatment and, and recovered. But that wound, so the, you know, the, the, act of having the disease of, of dealing with the cancer really has helped me in so many ways so that wound has been yeah my gift right because it has helped me transition into uh, executive coaching understanding that you know my mission really is to help other people and to help them live their best lives and to really concentrate on the fact that life is really short i always used to say that it used to be like my motto i've got this friend my best friend from university he and i like anything that we did we'd go yeah because well life's too short isn't it and that would be the thing that we would say but it didn't have true true meaning until i really thought oh my goodness actually my life is over this is it this is it i haven't even hit 50 like what am i going to do panic panic but actually it's about saying okay, well, this is the life we have. All of us are going to have completely unique lives and the length of our life is going to be different, but it's what we do with it and knowing that you've lived your best life. And, and I think that's the main thing and that's the gift, right? Mm. So you could live to 100, but you might have been miserable for 100 years. So kind of like, what's the point of that? Or you might have just been you know 20 years old and had a really really short life but you've had an incredible impact on other people and helped those people so it really is about that you know what is your your meaning to your life your values how can you help others what's your impact on other people so yeah. turning your wounds into into your gift into your present but not just for yourself but for other people indeed that's really really important and i find with coaching the wounds actually help me uh, during my coaching sessions because I've learned more from my failures than I have from my successes. And so I think bringing those wounds 
and sharing that sense of vulnerability, but also those experiences helps me be a better coach, a better person, but also helps my coaching clients uh, as well. Uh, so I quite often share the wounds before I share the gifts uh, or the successes. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point because, you know, when you go to a coach, this isn't about you going to somebody who's like this amazing expert, uh, you know, fantastic individual. This is about somebody who has been there and done that as well, who can be vulnerable with you and that you feel comfortable being vulnerable with them. So it's that idea of being really uh, in touch with your emotions and what you've experienced. And definitely that concept of, uh, you know, your failures build the person. So every time you build your resilience, you build your whole, you know, closet full of experiences that you can look at and mm -hmm. hopefully learn from. I know that we never do, but it's the fact that you can look at that and acknowledge that and share that with someone. Um, and the empathy mm -hmm. is, is probably the number one thing, you know, it's so important to just say, I hear you, yeah, yeah, I really understand what you're going through to some degree. I mean, I might not have been through the exact same thing, but you can at least say, okay, I get it. And I think that's what a lot of people really need, just to be heard, to be, to, to yeah, to, to be seen, right, in, in this fast world. Uh, and I think that's what we're seeing in the pandemic, people just suddenly saying, gosh, this, this, this is affecting me very, you know, significantly and I'm having a bit of a panic and, and so everybody needs to be <clears throat> a lot more um, aware of other people and be a lot kinder uh, a lot gentler and I think we're seeing so much authenticity and leadership aren't we right now and I mean think of Jacinta Ardern of uh, New Zealand what a fantastic example of someone who can be really honest um, and, and and really help her people through a really difficult time. So uh, I really admire you know people like her. So it's been it's been a great learning opportunity for everybody. Mm. I think that's been one of the great things actually from the pandemic is that uh, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to show your vulnerability, uh, and that's accepted by all sorts of people and all sorts of organisations at all different levels. Uh, that we are all individuals and we are all people, uh, and all have things happening in our lives, uh, some good, some bad, but it's okay to show that vulnerability. Uh, so I think that's one of the positive things to come out of the yeah, pandemic. Definitely, and I mean, you know, vulnerability in itself is a huge topic, and, and I think we'll be doing uh, an episode on that at some stage. Certainly uh, the works of Brené Brown are absolutely incredible, and uh, you can go on uh, TED Talks on YouTube and watch uh, Brené's fantastic, um, uh, talk that she gives all about vulnerability and, and basically the message that in order to be vulnerable you actually have to be really brave mm. it's it's about yeah showing your you know your underbelly as it were isn't it mm -hmm. so okay have we have we covered all that are we happy with that I guess in some respects we are trying to be brave with this podcast Lara we are mm. showing our underbelly mm. uh, in some respects so hopefully you're enjoying that as well Totally, it's it's really good fun to you know just just chat and and uh, yeah tell people you know things that I hope will be helpful. I mean this is what we're we're here for to to serve other people, and this podcast is just another channel for us to reach other people. So we hope it's it's helpful for you. And we did have some feedback from our yeah. pilot podcast. I understand. Ooh, wow! Well, or a question at least from our pilot. Well we, well, we did. And it was fantastic, actually, because we've got our Ask the Coach Potatoes uh, section and we had a question um, from Eleanor Tan. She said, is it a common misperception that coaches and mentors are one and the same thing or are they? Yeah. So. Do Good you, question. Yeah, well, it's a fantastic question because they are often in the same sentence, yes. you know, um, and a lot of people obviously talk about themselves and go, oh, yes, I'm a, you know, I'm a coach and mentor, blah, blah, blah. Um, but actually, these are really two very, very different things. Um, and mentors are very much people who are 
in the same uh, you know, profession or doing the same sort of thing as you, but they're ahead of you in their career. So you, someone you would look up to. So someone who can show you the ropes, give you tips and tricks on how they have dealt with a situation, how you've dealt with, you know, politics in your workplace, strategies to get to the next level, all sorts of things like that. that those people are your mentors and they are essential in your life. And the thing is that there are usually, um, you know, two ways that you get uh, a mentor. So something that happens like really naturally and organically. So for example, um, I had the most wonderful mentor when I was little. Um, he was a colleague of my mother's. My mother was an investment banker in the city of London. And this young man was on the graduate scheme. So he was a lot younger than her, but obviously a lot older than me. And he told me all about how he'd had the most fantastic time at university. He was just so enthusiastic and he loved his university so much that he always used to take me to his college and told me all the things about how to go there and the benefits to his life. And it honestly meant that I didn't think there was anything else in the world. Like it didn't even occur to me that I should go anywhere else. So I ended up going to Christchurch in Oxford, just following this person's path. And I remember the day I went into my room. So you, when you get there, you know, you're given a room and you, you, you open the door. As I went into the room there in the middle of the floor was this big box, 12 bottles of uh, house claret. Um, and the um, my college is actually uh, has a nickname. Mm -hmm. It's called the House because Christchurch is Ides Christi, so uh, you know House of Christ, mm -hmm. um, and so it's called the House. And it just said, "Welcome to the House," Lovely. and it was just fantastic. But he is my mentor, so thank you to Henry von Blumenthal. <laughs> you really were my mentor, and you helped me get there. Um, so this is just a little story about somebody in your life who, you know, as a child, you could find someone uh, just a bit older than you or in your workplace. Let's say that you're, a, you know, you've just joined a graduate scheme and there's somebody just a couple of years ahead of you, but they've got things to teach you. And I'd say, you know, as a mentor, I have been a mentor to, to many people who, um, you know, who are sort of more junior to me, as it were, um, and the satisfaction in helping those people. Um, but it's a much more sort of advisory role, right, um, Andrew? It, it's, it's a lot more telling people about your experience and sharing your experience. It is, and uh, it, those people that are uh, typically mentors and very good mentor, mentors, uh, are those people who share those experiences, as you spoke about with uh, Henry. They share their, their guidance uh, and they offer advice and share their uh, expertise. And so, as Lara suggested uh, in her fantastic example, they're typically older um, inside companies, older employees, for example. And so there's lots of mentoring programs that take place inside uh, organisations uh, as well, where perhaps a senior executive will mentor somebody who's new to an organisation. So hopefully, Eleanor, that answers your question about uh, coaching and yeah. Uh, mentoring. Yeah, but just on that point, actually, because I, I sort of didn't go into my second limb, but it's exactly that. So the second limb, so the first limb is where, you know, a relationship just grows organically and you, you know, just by chance happen to come across someone who, who you know, really speaks to you in terms of the experience they have and you, and you feeling like you want to follow them. Mm. But the second is that internal mentoring that you mentioned. So many companies have a structured program where you, um, so, you, you know, I was, I was a lawyer, I entered the law firm as a trainee, and we were all assigned a mentor. And I had two different mentors assigned to me. One who really spoke to me, a really wonderful junior lawyer, young lady. Uh, actually, no, she wasn't a junior lawyer. She was a junior partner. But I really, you know, aspired to be like her. She was so chic. She was so dynamic and intelligent and amazing. And I was like, wow, she's amazing. I love to be like her. The other person was really not a fit for me at all. 
he was someone just zero emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. you know, just really, really, I was not comfortable in his presence at all. So it showed how uh, I got lucky in one case and the other case was not so lucky. So um, those mentoring programs within a firm can be a bit hit and miss, but they are valuable. I think that if you have um, a situation where you are assigned a mentor, you, you just kind of need to flag up if, if that, you know, if that person isn't a fit for you, because right. it's a great idea. It encourages, um, you know, better communication, a lot more, um, a more, a, a greater likelihood that someone is going to be engaged and feel that they are, you know, much more integrated in the culture of, of the firm. And certainly it really boosts the culture of a firm where you've got different levels of employee uh, interacting, especially in perhaps in, you know, different departments and, and people uh, getting to know each other in that way so it can be really really helpful but it's always worth developing your own um, mentors as well so you know do take any um, firm appointed mentor that you're given but always be on the lookout for um, other mentors that you think can help you in future so right. just be open and just let those develop naturally and and they're such a great thing for career progression generally right. and so there's both formal and informal uh, mentors and so take those opportunities, as you uh, you said, Lara, they're, uh, they're wonderful. You'll also find them uh, at university. So if you're uh, perhaps a, a student at the moment or you just started in your career, there's lots of alumni uh, mentoring uh, programs that are out there. So I'm part of one uh, with one of my university uh, in universities I attended in Australia uh, where I'm mentoring a final year student uh, at the moment. It's not coaching, it's mentoring. And sometimes those relationships, those mentoring relationships, whether they be formal or informal, can last a long, long time. I've seen it with my members of my own family uh, who've had uh, career mentors for many, many years. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, always um, think about people in your life who'd be a good mentor, but also think about perhaps, um, you know, younger people who, who you could match to a mentor. Sometimes you yourself could spot an opportunity where mm -hmm. you, you see someone who um, is starting out in their career and you, you have a friend who you think, you know what, these two would have a fantastic mentoring relationship and try and put them together. There are um, so there are formal um, mentoring, uh, you know, projects uh, that are put together in this way. And in fact, uh, there is an organisation here in Singapore um, run by um, a lady, uh, and she uh, is called Protege, um, and she uh, runs these structured programmes for um, companies. Uh, and I, I'm actually going to be uh, a mentor on that programme. So mm -hmm. I, I'm looking forward to to doing that next year. Uh, the 2020 cohort has just closed. So there's uh, one for 2021. Um, so that's going to be really exciting. And and I do encourage everybody, all of you are ahead of somebody else. Right. It doesn't matter where you are. You might actually consider yourself to be too junior. Let's say you are a, you know, an associate in a law firm and you're like two years qualified. Well, you are still way ahead of someone who's an intern or a trainee or a one year, you know, qualified. So you have all got things that you can offer in terms of experience or just that you know sympathetic ear right. just to listen to somebody um and, and share and say yeah you know yeah i remember what that was like and don't worry about it you'll get through it or whatever right. but um you know that sense of just being um, a support system i think everybody can be a mentor um but on the question of whether they're the same thing the um you know we talked extensively in the early part of this episode about you know what is coaching so coaches um you know the, the, the obviously the main difference as well is the fact that you know coaches are are paid you know it is a, a profession and, and people pay their coach um but you will um have also informal coaching um and coaching is very wide so a lot of people <clears throat> will say that they coach someone on something but to be honest, they generally actually mean that they were mentoring mm -hmm. more. Um, coaching is quite a specific, uh, you know, way of helping someone, um, and they're quite different. And you know, as we just said, um, both Andrew and I are are coaches and mentors. So mm -hmm. you can be both, and they're they're different things. Right. So I hope that answers your question, Eleanor. And thanks for the question, to Eleanor. That's uh, great. So I'd encourage you too, as if you have questions both from this episode or future episodes, or anything else that's on your mind. Don't hesitate to contact us and uh, drop us a question. We'd love to hear from you. 
Absolutely. And so here we are at the end of our first official episode. So that didn't go too badly. (laughs) Well, we'll let the listeners be the judge of that, Lara. (laughs) Yeah. So hopefully uh, if you enjoyed this episode and the topics that we covered, we'll be doing other similar episodes with lots of other different and interesting topics. And again, you know, any topics that you'd like us to discuss, please do let us know. Um, As we said, do connect uh, with us on LinkedIn. We are there. We're pretty active on that space Um, and we both have our own websites as well so you'll be able to see those in the show notes and click on that and say hello Um, so we'll be having our next episode coming up soon but we will also be starting our interview um, section as well so we have a a, a very great interview lined up with Ellie Richpool and she is the recruitment coach and we'll be talking to her all about her journey into coaching her, her career everything about um, landing in Singapore and you know how she's uh, moved her business from the UK etc and all the good things um, about coaching etc so that's going to be our next episode and then the one after that will be one on topics like the like these so we do hope that you will like and subscribe Um, we are available on all of the podcast channels um, and so please do yeah give us a review and uh, we'd really appreciate that and please do share it with any friends you think that would be interested indeed so thanks lara i've really enjoyed our conversation and thank you to our listeners for joining us and particularly if you've made it this far thank you for listening to the full episode we do appreciate that and we look forward to bring you future episodes thanks very much bye Thank you.